is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. First reading from the book of the Old Testament prophet Amos, chapter 7. Amos was called to speak a difficult message about a powerful king, King Jeroboam II of Israel. But he speaks with the help of and in the name of the Lord. These words will serve as the basis for today's sermon. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. It's a lesson that most parents seek to instill in their children from little on, and it's one that they sincerely hope they put into practice throughout their youth. When a grown-up speaks, you listen. I remember being taught that lesson as a child. Respect your elders. Listen to the counsel of those who have gone before you. Because the people who have gone before, younger people are missing something that older people have, and that's experience. Younger people would be wise to listen up when someone from an older generation speaks. And it's not just a matter of respect. There's wisdom in learning from their experience and and learning from what they know because of the longer life that they have lived. Do you know someone who is quiet and reserved? 
That person might be referred to as a person of few words. People like that are quick to listen, but not so quick to speak. They want to make sure that they have all the information before they just blurt out their opinion. They want to make sure that they've really thought a a situation through well, that they've looked at it from every angle. They want to carefully pour over the words that they might speak. They might even be asking, is it even worth it? Is it even worth opening my mouth to speak about such a trivial thing? But when someone like that, when someone of few words does speak, when they come off of the sideline and onto the field, when they decide that they're going to break the silence with some of their well-thought-out words, the rest of us would be wise to close our mouths and open our ears. Because if they're going to speak, if someone of few words is going to speak, it's going to be worth listening to the few words that they might share. We don't know how old Amos the prophet was. Maybe he was a reserved and distinguished older gentleman, or maybe he was a young buck with lots of energy. We're not sure how old he was, and really it doesn't matter. He had words, words that were important to be heard. The words that Amos had were important to be heard, not because of his wisdom or experience or or status in their culture. His words were important to be heard because of whose words they really were. He had the words of the eternal God to proclaim, and so the listeners would have been wise to listen. Sadly, we know they didn't. And so what was true for Amos the prophet, it's true for us as well. When God speaks, we are wise to listen. We are wise to close our mouths and open our two ears and let them be filled with the words of our God. So just like when Amos spoke, the same can be true and is true for us. Listen up. Hear the word of the Lord. The story of Amos is the story of an unlikely man sent with an unlikely message to unlikely people. Amos wasn't seminary trained. He didn't go to Elijah's school of the prophets. Here's his own assessment of his qualifications or lack thereof. He says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. He was a farmer. He was a shepherd. What business did he have addressing a nation? What business did he have addressing harsh words at a king. And not even that. Amos wasn't even a citizen of that kingdom. He traveled from his hometown of Tekoa in Judah in the southern kingdom and crossed the border and went to big city Bethel to proclaim these words, these harsh words of judgment against Israel and against Israel's king, Jeroboam II. Who was he? Why was he the one? Yes, the story of Amos is a story of an unlikely man with an unlikely message. But even after listing off all of the reasons why Amos seemed like a strange choice to be the one 
who would deliver the message. He laid in the middle of the table that trump card, the one that defeated all the rest of those details. He said, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. It was the Lord's call that made all of the reasons not to speak fade into the background. It was the Lord's call that empowered Amos to be able to speak. And it's a good thing that he had the Lord behind him because the message that he had to proclaim was probably not an easy one to declare. He said, Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. This wasn't the first time that the nation of Israel had heard words like this and it wasn't going to be the last time either and sadly they received Amos's words the same way that they received almost every other prophet who proclaimed this same message. They flat out rejected him. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there. Do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos told King Jeroboam II, Listen up. Hear the word of the Lord. He said, No thanks. King Jeroboam wanted nothing to do with God or his message or his messengers. And that's precisely why God sent Amos. That's precisely why he came with words of warning and words of judgment to try to call him from his stubborn unbelief. It might seem unfathomably foolish. To say no thank you to a message from the Lord or the Lord's anointed. But isn't that really, sadly, something we do all the time? We hear God's message of law preached into our lives and into our hearts, and when it hits a little bit too close to home, when it stings, right away the defenses and the excuses pop up. When, an, when it's an encouragement toward generous first fruits offerings, the excuse flies. That preacher, all he ever talks about is money. When it's warnings against jealousy or slander, we kind of meet God in the middle and agree, yeah, I suppose that those things are, are not traits that a Christian should ascribe to. But in my case, with that person who caused me that pain, I don't know how else I could act. I don't know what kind words there are that could be said to someone as vile as that. Or what about when God calls on us to proclaim the law and to issue words of warning to a loved one, to a child, a spouse, a dear relative, Aren't there times that we just close our mouths entirely? It's just going to make them angry. <laughs> They're just going to get upset. They're not going to listen anyways. I don't see any good coming out of this. I might as well just keep my mouth shut. But it's not just the excuses we make to not deliver 
painful and difficult messages. We make excuses to not deliver good news messages, too. God calls on us as a church to collectively proclaim the gospel of sins forgiven into a fallen and hurting world. And how often don't we find new and creative ways to busy ourselves with things that are far less important? There are plenty in our lives who desperately need to know that Jesus loves them too, but too often we're too lazy, too prideful, too paralyzed by our own misguided fears to ever stand up and speak. Yes, there are times that we are like Jeroboam and Amaziah, that it's the message that's coming our way and we close our ears because we don't want to hear, but there are just as many times when we have the call like Amos to speak and we figure out a way to keep quiet instead. Both are equally sinful. Both are equally refusing to hear the words that God has to speak to us. For those and for our many other sins, we deserve to have God treat us the same way. We deserve to have God close his ears to us, to our calls and our pleas and our prayers. We deserve to have God close his eyes to our needs. We deserve to have words of judgment, harsh but fair words of judgment spoken to us like God spoke through Amos to Jeroboam. We deserve to be cut off from God and his family here on earth and forever in hell. But ours is not a God who speaks once and then lets the chips fall where they might. No, our God doesn't close his eyes to us or his ears to our pleas. No, he calls us. Again and again and again, he calls us to repentance. He calls us to himself and then draws us to himself with his words of forgiveness and love. He opens our ears to hear them and to hear who he is for us. Details we know, but the sweet reminders they are. Ours is a God of love. Christ is one who is willing to be our substitute and savior. He bears our burdens and carries our sins. He lived in our place so that we could be forgiven. He carried your sins and mine and the sins of the world the cross of Calvary, and there he bore their weight. There he absorbed the wrath of God as it came crashing down upon him, all so that we could be whole. He carried our sins to the cross, and there he died so that we could live. And then he opens our eyes to see what truly is happening there, to see not just justice, but love. To see not just law, but gospel being so powerfully put on display for us. God made man to save men and women and children like us. There we see the extent of the love that our God has for us, that he would be willing to come to this place, that he would be willing to suffer and bleed and die so that we could have a promise of heaven everlasting. And now God opens our eyes every day to see him he opens our eyes so that we can begin each day and end each day in his grace because Jesus has lived for us and died and lives again. And now we are heirs of everlasting life.
who was your Amos? Everyone has one. Someone who listened to God's call and loved you enough that they were willing to share the message of Jesus with you. Maybe it was a pastor who proclaimed that powerful gospel message to you the very first time. Maybe it was a parent who taught you Jesus songs and taught you how to sit in church and listen, helped you to understand and to know and to believe and to live your life for the one who lived his life for you. Maybe it was a neighbor who listened to God's call and took it seriously and shared an invitation for you to join them at church. Maybe it was a spouse who had something you didn't and loved you enough to share it. Everyone has an Amos. Who is yours? Thank God for that person and the everlasting life that now is yours because they answered God's call. And maybe an even more important question. Even more important than who was your Amos. To whom can you be an Amos? To whom can you deliver a life-changing and life-saving message? With whom can you share the gospel of Jesus, the sweet gospel of sins forgiven, the sweet message of peace which this world knows nothing of, the heavenly peace that is ours, knowing that our future is secure. Who in your life doesn't know that yet and needs to know? To whom can you be an Amos? Do you think it was scary? Do you think it was scary for Amos to march into a foreign land and to announce judgment on a foreign nation and even declare harsh words of judgment against a foreign king? It probably was. Yet Amos knew whose message he was carrying. He knew that it was God's message that he was carrying, and so he knew then that God would not leave him alone. He knew that he would never be abandoned or forsaken, but that God was with him. And so every step of the way across that border and into that town, he knew and acknowledged and rejoiced that God was with him. And he found joy in answering the Lord's call. Is it scary to preach the gospel? It can be. But it doesn't need to be because we all know whose message it is that we are delivering. And we know that because we have God's message in our hearts and God's message on our tongues. That that same God promises to be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will be with us every step of the way as we march into our loved one's heart and life. We know that he promises us his protection and his care, that he promises to bless our gospel ministry efforts in his name. And so, my friends, don't be scared. Take courage. Find hope and comfort and joy in the God whose message you can proclaim. Cling to the promises that he makes and trust that he will be with you and will bless you as you share his love. 
And so, my friends, no matter what the situation is, no matter what trials there are ahead of you, no matter what the opportunities are that God's put in your path for you to seize, always, always open your ears. Open your ears to the one who has opened your heart to know and believe and live for him. Open your ears so that you can listen up and hear the word of the Lord and then look for the opportunities that God has put in every single one of your lives to speak what you have heard. God has spoken to you. He has loved you. He has saved you. And now that message is yours to proclaim. And God puts people in your lives who want to hear it and need to hear it and will most certainly be blessed through your efforts. And so, my friends, rejoice in the opportunity that God gives you. Answer his call in his strength so that many, many more might join you to listen up. And as you proclaim it, to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.